0: On behalf of Yarra Libraries and Yarra City Council, I'd like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung as the traditional owners of this country, pay tribute to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in Yarra and elsewhere, and give respect to Elders past, present and emerging. You're listening to a Short Story Club episode of the Yarra Libraries podcast. The Short Story Club discusses a short story every meeting, before moving on to their other reading recommendations. In this episode, David and Marcia discuss the bush, isolation, national identity, and an excellent snake dog named Alligator in Henry Lawson's The Drover's Wife, before moving on to their current isolation reading. This discussion is best enjoyed if you've read The Drover's Wife, so follow the link in our show notes if you haven't read it before, or find it on Cloud Library as part of Lawson's collected short stories. Just a reminder, we run the Short Story Club meetings currently online every Wednesday at 11am and 6pm and you can register for those via the Arrow Library's website. The drover's wife
1: of the title is the main character. She's living in a very rough house with her four children and the drover has been gone for six months so I thought it was a really appropriate story for this period because social isolation is... An obvious theme of the story. She's 19 miles from the nearest dwelling. So if anything happens, she's basically on her own with the children. And that's basically what happens in the story. She's working in the house when one of the children suddenly yells out, Mum, Mum, there's a snake. And she goes out, she snatches up her baby and picks up a big stick. And therein starts probably about 18 hours of her life as she keeps her children safe and waits for the snake to appear so that she can kill it. And while she's doing, while she's waiting, she's reflecting on her life. So it's about what's happening in the moment, but it's also about who she is. The story first came to my attention. My father introduced me to this story when I was a teenager and I remember loving it. (laughs) And I hadn't read it again for a very long time when I read it for the Short Story Club. So I came to it the first time as a young girl and I saw it as a hero story about this brave woman in the bush sort of like absolutely um, courageously protecting her children and her family. And then as an adult, as a, as a mother myself now, as an older woman coming to it, the things that appeal to me in the story are quite different because it's, there's such a strong sense of um, isolation in the story, of self-reliance and the qualities that woman has developed over her, her years in the bush. It made me wonder what my father had seen in it because I, I felt like I was a woman relating to a woman. But my father was brought up by his mother after his own father had been killed in a work accident and his mother was the breadwinner and the person who kept their little family together when they lost their home and they had no money. So I think he saw in the drover's wife the sort of person his mother had been and that's why it resonated with him. And it made me wonder really there are so many different ways into the story. And I suspect that for every person who reads the story, there's a a new way into it. David, what appealed to you about the story?
2: You're right, Marcia. I think um, the thing that I found most was this almost visceral feeling of isolation and loneliness. And and I think in some way that there are some similarities into what we're experiencing with isolation and, and lockdown at the moment. But, you know, I've always been aware of our great Bush writers and, and poets such as Lawson himself and Banjo Patterson and even Miles Franklin. But this is probably the first time I've ever read anything with such detail, particularly by Lawson. And talking with some of their our participants in the broadcast we had of, of the short story, it was probably the first time that, for them as well, it was the first time that they read anything by Lawson. I found what struck me most of all was Lawson's use of, of language, his description of the characters, and their environment, they their really very harsh environment that they lived in, were almost one and the same. Do you recall the part where he describes the wife as being sun-browned and gaunt and the children as being ragged and dried up? It sounds very much like the land that they live with. It was really so descriptive. And it sort of conjured up images of the, the famous Russell Drysdale painting of the, of the drover's wife and, and some of his other bush paintings as well.
1: Yeah, that, that description of her dried out breast in particular, because mm. it made me start working out how old she'd be. Because her oldest child is 11, and she describes herself as a girl wife. I figure she's probably 20 plus 11. She's in her about early 30s.
2: Yes, yeah. In some ways, we didn't learn a great deal about the wife, herself. Lawson didn't give the wife or the drover names. She gave the two oldest children names as well, but not the wife and the drover. And, you know, there was some touching moments in in the um, story, particularly his description of how she used to love reading the young lady's journal, and and that and the actual night where she was where she and Alligator the dog were, were watching out for the snake, she had her young woman's journal, her sewing kit, and also the green sapling club, which she intended to kill the um, the snake with. So that was quite touching, it was that was quite an image as well. Another thing I tried was actually read the story out aloud a few times. I do that quite often now with my reading, and I found it gave me, in some ways, a greater insight into Lawson's sparse dialogue. You know, when you read aloud, you can actually sort of fall into the sort of fall into character uh, when reading. So it's a it's a different way of experiencing the book.
1: I hadn't considered reading it out aloud. I'm going to have yeah. to go and do that now, David. <laughs> I do like books read out loud. I particularly like it when somebody else reads it to me, mm. and I can see why the language itself would lend it to that. Yes. The other thing that I think would make it more immediate is the fact that when he's talking about what's happening at the moment, he's using the present tense. The drover's wife snatches up the baby, but when she's reflecting on her life, it's past tense. So you're actually in the moment. And I think that would really carry across if you heard it read out loud. Is that what you found, David?
2: Yes, I found that. I, I think as I said, you you're actually in character in a way, and you actually find yourself in the shoes of the characters, so you can experience it a little a little more. But that's something I, I do quite often with my reading. I I read perhaps a paragraph or two out aloud as well.
1: No, well, I have to say I haven't read out loud to myself for a long time. Not since I read Matilda out loud, the Roald Dahl book. That was a very long time ago, though.
2: Some of the other themes that came out of this reading was one of national identity. Uh, Lawson wrote this story towards the end of the 19th century, I think it was 18, 1892. And for me, that was a time when it was a period leading up to, and including the Second, the First World War, where we as a nation, we as a young nation, wanted to forge our own identity. Qualities such as resilience, toughness, equality, and the capabilities of to overcome misfortune and, and natural disasters. Elements that we still see today. And I think that sort of first came to to light for us during Lawson's writing or, or as part of Lawson's writing.
1: It makes you wonder how much Lawson himself contributed to creating that character of Australians because I've read other writing from that period, Australian writing, um, not necessarily adult. I read a lot of Ethel Turner and Lillian Turner and Louisa Mack, their writing draws a lot on the European tradition of filling in the blanks and giving you a lot of description, a lot of adjectives, gentling the story, giving the story a lot of what I call padding. And Henry Lawson stripped it bare, really. His story stands alone. This is what happened and this is enough just to tell you what happened and he doesn't Prettify a word. He doesn't prettify the dwelling. He doesn't prettify the woman. He doesn't make the landscape in any way appealing or attractive in the way that Ethel Turner often did with her writing when she talks about places like Yarra Hapney, It's always that sense of of the beauty of the bush. And with this one, it's the harshness of the bush and the kind of person who survives that harshness and becomes stronger because of it. One of the characteristics of The Driver's Wife that makes me love her is that, and she says it of herself in her reflections, she hasn't lost her sense of humour. There's something, she's reflecting on a, a funny story and she thinks, I'll have to remember to tell that to the Stockman next time I see them. Because despite this very hard life she's had, the isolation and the, the stress of it all, she still sees humour in the world and I love that. I just think humor is such an important quality in a person and that's something that here I am in 2020 relating to this character from 1892 and thinking wow yeah I love that yeah you've got to be you've got to see the fun in it you've got to see the fun in the moment
2: yes you're right there was a bit of an insight into the wife he also goes on to describe her relationship with her children, which he suggested that, uh, where well, he writes here that she loves her children, but has no time to show it. She seems harsh to them. Her surroundings are not favorable to the development of womanly or sentimental side of, of nature. But that sort of broke a little bit right right at the end where she embraced her, her son, Tommy, as well. They had, they had faced something down together as well. Also, I think what I found interesting was the The resilience of the wife. It seemed that this incident with the snake, well, this is just something else she had to endure and overcome. Throughout the story, Lawson tells about her battles with the natural elements, with droughts and with bushfire and with strangers coming along as well. So, her defeating a snake, her and alligator defeating a snake, well, this is something she just had to do. She just had had to endure. So, she did that, and you wonder what else she had to survive as well.
1: And always when these these um, moments came upon her, she seems to be alone. Presumably there's some point where the drover's home, but she fights the fire with just her little boy. She fights the flood. She deals with her. There's a mention of riding 19 miles with a sick child in her arms. She's doing it all on her own. I actually wonder, because... Droving is not a common occupation anymore, but in 1892, it could have been the phrase the drover's wife was almost like calling someone, what was that phrase they used to use, a grass widow, where you're married, but because your husband's away all the time, you might as well not be. Maybe there's some connotation there in the phrase the drover's wife, because that comes back to that whole role of, of women in this kind of environment where men are off for months and months and months with the cattle or with the sheep and the women are left to, to mind the shop, raise the children and to survive in an environment that's not particularly friendly to them. So that role of women and if you look at the other books from that period, especially the books that were coming out of England, strong role models that were women tended to be romanticized. You know, she was a strong woman and then she found the right man for herself. This this is a woman who is not romantic or romanticized at all. This is a strong woman because she's had to be a strong woman. She's a strong woman because she's had to protect her children. She's a strong woman because she's had to protect her home and her her stock and her her lifestyle. She's had to make sure that her children aren't left with nothing. She's strong because she's had to be, and she's therefore shown to have been capable or to be capable of this extraordinary strength without any kind of reward, without anyone giving her a medal or, or saying, wow, you're like Grace Darling. You're strong. You're An amazing woman. There's just that expectation that this is what women in the bush do and Mm. they get on with it.
2: Yeah, and I think Lawson rose in a very patriarchal period uh, during Australian history as well. So
1: When I was researching the story, David, there was that that little bit about his mum. His mother, Louisa Lawson, was a suffragette, so he must have had some strong female role models in his life. Mm so i I wonder then if she is then symbolic of Lawson's view of the Bush woman. The language is so so strong, and the fact that she doesn't actually have a name lends itself to the idea that she is not just a person she's a kind she's a type of person she's um that every woman person
2: yes, yes, do you think Lawson by not giving her a name? She represent Yeah, she represented the, the concept of the heroic bushwoman.
1: Yeah, yeah, and she's defined in terms of her role. So while she's not given a name, the name of the book, The Drover's Wife, makes her the main character and she is referred to by her children in her second role – which is that of mother. And then she's referred to by the Sundowner who threatens her at one point as Mrs. So they're her roles. The Drover's wife, the Mrs. The Mother.
2: Initially I actually found it quite curious that Lawson gave the title The Drover's Wife. It was as though the, the Drover was the main character, even in his absence. Right. Ra- Except rather where than, rather I than saw the wife. it
1: I saw it as I know I can see what you're coming at because mm. the drover is, is the, the occupation, but it was for me it was more about the relationship and the fact that a drover was an absentee husband. He was a husband who was not going to be there. It was like the sailor's wife. When you say someone is the drover's wife, you're basically saying, this is a woman whose husband is never around.
2: Marcy, there were two other central characters in the story, which we haven't touched on yet, one was the snake, and the other one was the heroic snake dog alligator. That snake dog is a, is a concept I've not come across before.
1: No, I love the dog.
2: Yeah, I guess it's much the same as a farm dog or a cattle dog, as well. He was really the family's protector as well as the as the wife.
1: Yes, I remember. Remember when he breaks the chain, and they yes, have to yeah. they have to protect because they what they say they say. They can't afford to lose him.
2: Yes, yeah.
1: He's almost the pseudo-husband, isn't he? The, um, the protector while the drover is away.
2: Yes, yeah. Do you he remember very... that
1: wonderful scene where <laughs> he's described as having a mouth like his namesake?
2: <laughs> That's how he got his name, I'd say. He was very much protective of the family, particularly to strangers. And even in that time where Lawson describes the wife finding the bushfires and she um, she's pulled on a pair of, of her husband's trousers and her face had blackened with soot is that the, the dog didn't really know who it was and he ended up attacking her.
1: And wasn't he apologetic afterwards? But then that's where her sense of the ridiculous is is shown too because she reflects on the fact that, that the dog didn't like visitors and didn't like relatives and that was all right because they hardly ever had any but occasionally like strangers. And I can just imagine sort of like, okay, you bark at my sister, you bark at my brother-in-law, and you don't bark at this <laughs> total stranger walking in the door. Yeah, there's that that sense of very familiar frustration with guard dogs who, for whatever reason they decide, decide that someone is, is acceptable to them. But um, I do think confronting a rough, tough, scarred dog with a mouth that looks like it's full of alligator teeth would
2: be a deterrent. <laughs> I'm missing plenty of hairs from scrapes with fires and, and other things as well. The snake as well. For me, the snake was a metaphor for danger and darkness. It could have been anything. It was a snake in this story, but it could have been a stranger or or a fire.
1: Yes, I had someone in the book group session yesterday who saw the snake as the linkage between the elements of the story, that the story begins when the snake emerges and concludes when the snake is dispatched. So the snake is the the one thing that ties the whole story. It creates the story, the beginning, the middle and the conclusion. It's all around the snake because it's a snapshot of her life during her encounter with the snake. Though so I have to say, as a child, I was not attracted to the snake. <laughs>
2: actually the the wife's confrontation with the snake reminded me of my own way of facing things like spiders it's it's me or the spider unfortunately and it's usually just me rather than myself an alligator which i wish i had
1: i think everyone needs an alligator dog there was also a mention of a kangaroo dog which made me wonder what a kangaroo dog was these are obvious dog roles like we've heard of sheep dogs and cattle dogs well here we've got a snake dog and a mention of a kangaroo dog. These are roles that I think maybe they've become redundant, at least in um, an urban setting. A spider dog would be useful occasionally. Spider though, dog. David.
2: Marcia, reading this, does it make you want to read more of Lawson or read more of, of say, Patterson or even Ethel Turner? and? Um,
1: I like Miles the Franklin? contrast Lawson provides. I love reading Banjo-Patterson. Banjo-Patterson knows how to tell... A rollicking funny story he draws characters he's like but the difference between reading banjo patterson and reading lawson it's like the difference between reading the cartoon in the newspaper and reading the um account of the um crime it happened that night one is is designed to entertain And one is designed to inform with Banjo Patterson. Now, Banjo Patterson, I learned by heart. I I say aloud, I love the rhythm, I love the, the fun of it all. But Henry Lawson is what I go away thinking about. Henry Lawson puts you in that moment, puts you in that place. And puts you there with not a romantic view of it, but a really, I don't know, visceral understanding of what it was like to be that sole protector of quite small children and really to have very, very little to rely on for support.
2: During my research and my reading into this story, I came across a quote somewhere that suggested that nowadays Lawson is evoked rather than...
1: Evoked. That's interesting. So the qualities that he he evokes are what people strive to evoke? Is that what they meant?
2: Yeah, I I was thinking maybe that there's a central theme of what characterises Lawson's Australia.
1: A lack of romantic, beautiful bush, I'd say. His bush is true, I think. I mean, I, I love the bush, but I'm not in the middle of the bush trying to carve out a living for four children. I visit the bush. I admire the bush, and then I go home again. I don't worry about where the water's coming from, where the food's coming from, what will happen if it catches fire, and what will happen when I flood out. I visit the bush. I don't live in the bush, and I think there's a an obvious difference
2: there. So, Marcia, I know you've just ploughed through the drover's wife in in some detail. Is there anything else you're reading about this time?
1: Well- because it was written in 1892 and I knew Seven Little Australians was written around the same period, it just made me wonder about Ethel Turner again because I hadn't read Ethel Turner for a while and Ethel Turner's Seven Little Australians is 1894 and that's so strongly out of the European tradition that I thought, oh, well, it it won't have very much in common at all. And in terms of language, it doesn't. But it's, it's a, a similar view from a different perspective. Ethel Turner tends to give her characters more social standing. So she might have someone looking at the, the stockman's wife, but she wouldn't be the stockman's wife. I think that's a fundamental difference between the two of them. And also Ethel Turner tends to look at the Australian landscape and she can see its harshness, but she also isn't worried about calling on its beauty. So I think Ethel Turner is a, a good one too, just to get yourself in that framework to understand Why Henry Lawson must have been such a shock to the system for people reading him when he was first published. When they opened that bulletin and read his stories and thought, this is different. Whoa, this is different. And then I think out of that very difference, they thought, this is us. This is Australia. This is what we're about. This is not about um, a gentle, soft English countryside. This is what we're about. And this is what we're proud of. What about you, David? What have you been reading?
2: Well, I think reading The Drover's Wife, it, it's probably made me want to read a wee bit more about Lawson as well. But also, I'd like to read, and coming from Western Australia, I'd like to read Mary Jurak's books as well. And she wrote about opening up the Kimberley through cattle driving from from central West Australia up to the Kimberley and also into the Northern um, Territory as well. Yeah, I'd be interested in reading that as well. What I'm reading at the moment is another Australian writer, the late... Clive James, I'm reading his opening memoir called Unreliable Memoirs of his, of his life and, and boyhood and um, early teenage years and twenties when living in Sydney and this covers Sydney in the 30s and through the 50s as well and it's quite evocative as well a lot more contemporary than Lawson but, but still a great writer and funny very funny
0: That was Marcia and David discussing Henry Lawson's The Drover's Wife We hope you enjoyed it. Want to discuss these stories with us? We run meetings at the Short Story Club on Wednesdays at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. And you can register via the Yarra Libraries website. If you're keen to read The Rover's Wife or any of the other stories mentioned in this discussion, have a browse through Project Gutenberg or our Cloud Library Collection if you're a Yarra Libraries member. Missing physical books? If you live within the city of Yarra, you can register your interest in receiving a binge bundle of books delivered on our website. We'll see you next time. Happy rating.